Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name's James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. So, uh, just straight off the bat, this is an intro to an intro. The guest today is Ray Bradshaw. We recorded the intro the other day in between shows with Ramesh, just before a show with Ramesh Ranganathan. But what happened was, as you're gonna discover, Tim and I were doing the intro. Now what will happen, and I don't wanna ruin the magic of podcasting or indeed comedy, but what will often happen with an intro is that Tim and I, it's usually my fault, I might come up with an idea and then in the cold light of day, Tim and I will go, that idea was an appalling idea. And so I came up with this idea in the intro of, I've had a couple of people get in touch about times they've seen me MC years ago, and I might have done something a bit daft, sat on their knee, or one woman, I gave her a motivational speech before she gave birth, and she really re remembered this, because you know what your mates love to tell you about, oh, once you have kids, your life's over, and I'm like the opposite. I think, no, no, it's great, and I'd, get, I'd like launched into this passionate speech, so I thought it might be a bit of fun if we get correspondence, people write in about times they've seen me MC back in the day. I realized, as I was saying it out loud, that it's an atrocious, self-indulgent idea, so we wanted to nix it there and then. But what happened was, as you can discover, the comedy writer, uh, Aidan Spackman, who sometimes comes down to ABC, uh, walked in along with Ramesh Ranganathan. And so what you will hear in this intro is, in real time, Tim and myself lose our nerve, lose confidence in what was admittedly a terrible idea, and uh, absolutely lose the plot through, uh, what would you say, childish giggling? <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll hear it, very childish giggling. You will hear it, but it needed an intro to explain what happens, and Tim, I would say, I've, I've known Ramesh for nearly 14 years, that's the... If you thought he laughed a lot during our intro, that laughter continued for conservatively 10 more solid minutes. Uh, yeah, at least. Of, <laughs> of Ramesh cry laughing, not with us, 
<laughs> no, if only. If only at, at us. Uh, so it, it's, it's not really for us to say, but we will say it was a lovely moment. It was very, very funny, thanks to the unfortunate timing of Ramesh walking in, but we wanted to explain. So enjoy this intro, enjoy lovely Ray, but we felt we owed you an explanation of what happened. Yes, exactly, exactly. So this, as we, as we say, this was the intro to the intro. So we've done the intro to the intro. Now here is the intro. Enjoy. Uh, Tim, bit of a twist this week. We are recording the intro from Always Be Comedy at the Tommy Field because uh, old uh, Muggins here uh, has been away with his wife for their 10-year wedding anniversary, so we haven't been able to do it the usual way. It's too much information, and I'm really oversharing about my private life. Uh, the guest today is the great Ray. <laughs> I've made Tim laugh, and he's had to move the microphone away so he doesn't laugh into the microphone. I, think, I wonder if that's my own ego telling you that he found that amusing. I think it is. There you go. Uh, Ray Bradshaw. Tim, uh, Ray Bradshaw, uh, barnstorming comedian, and also has a tour with a twist this year. Yeah, so if you are aware of Ray Bradshaw before, you'll know that the last two shows he's done in sign language and these tours have been very successful. This year he is talking more about himself uh, than his life growing up with deaf parents. Uh, this tour is BSL interpreted, as his shows always are, which is lovely. This show is called Doppel Ginger and uh, it's got a great concept, I'm going to say. So if... Uh, hang on, this isn't integral, I'm about to say here. But if, if you are bald and ginger, or you have a friend who is bald and ginger, you can check out the web. Look, if you're not bald and ginger, you can still go to the tour. We cannot emphasize that enough. But Ray's having a bit of fun with this because he is a bald and ginger man. And what happens in his everyday life, he has people say to him, oh, you look like my mate. And so that, that is the, uh, the inspiration behind the tour. So doppelginger.net is the website, and then for for tour tickets, uh, it's if you if you Google what's what's the URL, Tim? It's raybradshaw.com. Easiest it gets. I regret not remembering <laughs> raybradshaw.com. Uh, very fun chat, and as we say, if you know anyone who is bald and ginger, I, I think it's safe to say, Tim, that Ray is pretty happy with a couple of the lookalikes that he's got in the locker so far. Yeah, I mean, this tour sounds really fun. It sounds mad, I'm going to say. But, yeah, his website, as he talks about in the episode, he's been getting a lot of entries, and some of them have been bang on, and some of those have been, I'm going to say, offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, so we're at the time, I'll tell you what, if we can share, we, we share the scene, paint the picture. I'm not sure what I'm going for there. Hang on, let me do that again. I need to, I need to eat some food, hang on. If we can set the scene, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan is two-thirds of the way through a six-show run here at Always Be Comedy. He's been doing two shows a night, Wednesday, Thursday. We're recording this on the Friday. He's got a double. The first of the double show uh, starts in just over half an hour, and then the late one is at nine o'clock. Way too much information. Should have just said, we're here with uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. Tim They've, it's been a, a great week back at the Theatre of Dreams. It's been so good. I haven't been here since, I'm going to say, mid-December. And it's, honestly, it was 
it was like coming home. It's been so lovely being back. And yeah, what a way to welcome back with Romesh twice a night for a whole week, essentially. The dream. Tim, also exciting news. There'll always be comedy towers. Is there anything more annoying than people using towers? I quite like it. Uh, the, the, the tabloid, pre- not just the tabloid press, the, the, the press have been, um, they've been crediting the, 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 the podcast, credit, very kind. Um, but we, we've, we've been splashed across the newspapers off the back of our episodes with Alex Horn. Uh, you may remember the Jasper Carrot, Joe Pasquale chat. That, was, that has featured prominently, Tim, on some of the biggest newspapers in the country. Uh, and then also the Tom Davis Wonka chat regarding Timothy Chalamet uh, playing football manager and also FIFA in the trailer. The podcast worked on a personal level because I did indeed take the children to go see Wonka. Tim, it is a delight. I honestly, I love Wonka. Well, my friends, uh, it's got a running joke now, but I keep bringing up how much I adore Wonka. But I really, I really love it. I think it's so good. It's so charming. And if you're a British comedy nerd, as I imagine you are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to lose it at the amount of cameos there are in it. Tim, I don't know if there's something in this. But listeners, if you uh, if you ever see an always be comedy act in a, a movie or a TV show and you weren't expecting it, please drop us an email, the team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Wonka, there's Freya Parker, there's obviously Tom Davis, there's Phil Wang, a uh, couple of other cheeky cameos. Tim and I uh, recently watched Saltburn, the, the, the talk of the town. I would say it's on Amazon Prime. Who, who pops up about halfway through? Lolly Adafopi. Oh my God. Yes. So, she, so, she's so in it. good in it. She's in it for about 20 seconds and she makes every second count. She's so funny. So good. So brilliant. She's so funny in it. So yeah, if you ever see a comedian, uh, we would say an always be comedy comedian, drop us a line. ABC cameo or ABC <laughs> I like something it. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the email header. and uh, Because what happens is, a friend of the night, someone we know, they might film something, and I get this, and they don't say a word, and I guess it's in case it ends up on the cutting room floor. That's probably it. So I I made a, I know I've talked about this before, I made a film, that's a big statement. I was in a film called The Festival with the friend of the night, hashtag friend of the night, Joe Thomas, and I kept that shtum because I didn't expect to feature in the film because I was hired to do crowd work, and then they put me in the film but I still kept it very quiet because you worry about the cutting room floor. I was so convinced that I wouldn't be in it that I took Sean Walsh to the premiere and when I appeared in it, Sean grabbed me by the arm and God bless him, true friend, squealed with delight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so do drop us a line. Uh, Tim, also, I, I mean, I've sort of, I've gone self-indulgent. I'm going to go even deeper. I, I, I apologise profusely, but the, uh, this made both Tim and myself smile. Here we go. Hi there, James. I have a quick question. My wife and I visited London a couple of summers ago. It was boiling hot, and we ended up in the 99 Club in Leicester Square. The MC, which I believe to be you, was fantastic. I'll be honest with you, I didn't realise there was this level of praise. Uh, Ended up sitting on my knee, asking if my wife was your mum, as we are from Leeds. Anyway, we ended up getting a bit, not not my words, pissed, 
And the next day, we couldn't remember your name. I mean, that is the absolute story of my career. Um, apologies, but honest. No, I, I appreciate your honesty. Until I stumbled across some of your content completely by accident. Again, story of my career. And, <laughs> and this big light flicked on in my head. Can you please just confirm that it was you that night? I will then be able to relax and maybe visit your space when next in that there London. Thanks for reading this. Anthony, brackets, not your dad from Leeds. So this has been happening. The reason why I'm sharing this, this has been happening quite a bit recently. I guess because the pod, Tim, not really for us to say, but as the pod gets bigger, and because I'm an MC, and therefore not necessarily the person that you would remember. Hang on, some coming in. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Hi. Uh -oh. um, so what, what has happened is we had uh, um, one of the mums at my kid's school get in touch a couple of weeks ago saying, we think we were at a gig about eight years ago and we think you were the MC. Was this it was. So uh, if you've any more... Tim, the, I, I think the movie thing's a good idea. This one I've sort of lost confidence in. I like it. You've just been a good friend? No, 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 I like it. If you think I might have done something similar at a gig, get in touch. Bit of fun. Uh, just to be completely transparent, the uh, comedy writer Aidan Spackman and the uh, previously mentioned Ramesh Ranganathan, if it sounds like we've lost our nerve, <laughs> we, we have, uh, they've just walked in <laughs> while we are... I've known Ramesh about 14 years. This is genuinely the most I've ever made him laugh. Uh, right, any more... Imagine sharing that story and then Ramesh walking in and thinking, I already didn't have confidence in the idea. Huh, if you've seen, because what I'm saying, it's sort of, it's so braggy what I'm doing. If you've seen me be absolutely crazy down the years, drop, drop us an email. Oh, God. Tim, strap in for the WhatsApp later. Cut, cut out that whole bit. Um, we're going <laughs> to, fucking hell. Jesus wept. Uh, any correspondence, the team, oh, God. <laughs> You know what? It's I'm, you shouldn't use the word brave. It's brave that I'm carrying on. <laughs> Correspondence. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com. Uh, Tim, is there any other business? I think that's it. I mean, let's, let's quit while we're... I was going to say let's quit while we're ahead. I'm not, I'm not sure we are. Let's quit while we're 4-2 down. Uh, anyway, God bless you all. We hope you're... Oh, God. We hope you're having a lovely start to the year. Here he is. <laughs> The maestro, <laughs> Ray Bradshaw. Oh my God, that was so good. I'm so sorry. That no, was great. Uh, Ray, huge and heartfelt thanks for joining us. I, I will dive straight in because I saw you support John Bishop at the O2 Arena. You absolutely roofed it. I mean, that, you know, let's... Real talk, the support act on a tour show is traditionally, that can be a, a, a sticky wicket. You had the crowd in the palm of your hand. Please talk us through that experience. Yeah, it was amazing. Also, it's so good when someone says, I saw you at the O2. It makes you seem so much better than you are, doesn't it? <laughs> I remember I went, with, uh, I went out with my mates in London when I was on tour with John and the barman was asking me what I did and I was like, oh, I do comedy. He was like, oh, where have you done recently? And I was like, oh, I did Wembley last night. And it just makes you seem like the biggest deal in the world. Uh, the O2 was great. 
that was the last day of the tour. So I'd, I think that was the 70th, 70th first show I'd done. So by that point, I'd done tons of arenas. And it's just, it's just mental, James. Like when you're on stage, and like you said, you said I had the audience in the palm of my hands. Sometimes you think you're dying on your whole because you're getting no feedback back. But yeah, it was so much fun. And the only place I got heckled in the whole tour was Wembley. And it's because someone kept wool whistling every time I tried to tell a punchline. And it was so frustrating. Um, but they got chucked out, so John was fine. That was always the thing. It was funny because he'd never had a support act before. So the first two, three minutes was just me battling to get everyone on side. And also I think sometimes as I walked on stage, you could see the audience be like, fuck, John Bishop's let himself go. What's happening? <laughs> and then I would come on and do my thing. What right? What is you saw me there? Put my head in my hands. What is the mindset of the wolf whistler there? No idea. No idea. And it was, I I, ca I can't remember the line or what happened, but it was in the middle of a punchline. The wolf whistler. And I changed it to be about them, and it wasn't a good joke. But it was one of those because you've referenced it so quickly. Everyone was on my side straight away, and it's just I don't get it because. I, th I don't know, I can't remember how much tickets were, 40, 50 quid maybe? And you're wolf whistling and you get chucked out before the show's actually properly started. So, but that was the only time in they, 70, are 70 sat, shows. Are they sat on the tube home thinking, yeah, that was a good idea? Yeah, I think they're more likely still sitting in Wembley Box Park after the gig being like, what have I done? I've, do you know what? Heckling's such an interesting thing. Like, do you get many heckles at your club? We have... I mean, to say we have zero tolerance does not do it justice. We, oh, mate, Jesus Christ. Put it this way. Somebody once heckled about 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And it was so out of kilter with the vibe of the night that this person from the back heckled and every other person in the room turned around and pulled, the, just for the benefit of the listener, pulled the sort of face as if to say, heckling, mate, it's not, it's not 1983. Yeah. And so I think I think I think when people heckle at like arena shows, they're they're not they're not comedy fans. They're not people that are going to the local comedy night. Um, they just don't get they don't get the etiquette yeah. of comedy. I guess I always find I find it really interesting because I obviously toured off the back of it last year, and people would come to me and be like, "This is my second ever comedy show," so they've got to see John at the O2 or Leeds Arena, and they think that's what comedy is. And then they come see me and be like, oh no, comedy's a lot smaller. And they kind of, it's just really interesting that an arena would be your first show. And, but no, it was so, so much fun. I, I think that's, I had a horrific incident that I'll tell you about later. Um, that was honestly one of my worst moments on stage in one of the shows, but it was just so much fun. Yeah. I mean, with, with Eckling, put, put it this way all right, there was a, a couple came to a show recently and they went to sit on the front and they turned to the, the husband turns to me and said, I'll be sure to heckle. And I went, you won't. Yeah. Just, it just, it just, I just don't, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think outside of arenas at regular comedy nights, heckling is just not a, it's not a thing anymore. No, it really, really happens. And I, I had a great one. So I, I've done lots of kind of work with Frankie Boyle over the last few years and me and Frankie were doing work. Well, Frankie was doing work in progress shows and I was getting ready for my tour. So we do, we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays at half past five yep. in Glasgow. Idea was try weed out all the dicks. And there was one night I walked on, it's probably about two years ago today, roughly. And I've got metal plates in my arm. So I used to do a bit, so I broke my arm pretty badly. So I used to do a bit about anyone get metal plates in their body. And this guy was like, I've got a metal dick. 
And I was like, oh, okay, I put him down. And he shouted out again, and I just kind of dealt with it. And then he shouted out again, and I was like, right, okay, mate. That I looked to, he's right in the middle. I looked to the right-hand side of the stage. I turned back round, and the bouncer's fighting with a guy. So the bouncer's got the guy in the chokehold. The guy's, like, punching him above his head. And I'm on stage, and I'd never seen a fight before on stage. So I kind of started commentating on it a little bit. And then they hit the ground, and I was like, nah, I need to go off. So I go off, and I've gigged with Frankie maybe 70 times. And I come off, and Frankie's never watched me before. And he's standing at the curtain, and he looked at me and went, that's the best gig you've ever done. And I'd only done like four minutes. And I come off, and I'm about to go back on, and they went, oh, hold on, we're still clearing up some blood. What? And then, yeah, and then I go on stage, and that's my time. So I might be doing 20, 25, and I do like a minute. And I get Frankie on, and Frankie walks on stage, and he did the best. He got heckled within about a minute. And he did the best heckle put that ever. Because the guy heckled him, he went, did you not see what happened to the last guy? And then see from then on, the gig was amazing. It was like one of the best gigs we've ever done. And that was the last kind of big heckling I saw. It's not a thing. It's not really a thing, is it? It's not a thing. It's so frowned upon. It died with Thatcher. It, you know, it... <laughs> I know that it, I know I am aware that it used to be, you know, I'm not I'm 45 years old. It's not my first rodeo. I'm aware that it used to be a thing. But yeah. I think I think people some people think that stand-up comedy is still jonglers in the 90s. And the game has changed for the better so much. Yeah. Um so I, I just think, you know, in 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 this day and age, people have paid for the babysitter, it might be the one night off, blah, 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 blah. They've come to what come to watch and enjoy the comedy show i i know that the you know what was regarded as badinage between say bernard manning and someone at you know is it the wheel tappers and you know the shunters social club whatever it was sure whatever but it's not it's not the case anymore people that's not what it's not what people want to come out for no i'm sorry the phrase it died with thatcher is going to be my new catchphrase that is so i'm going to use that to describe everything that is amazing it did, but, i mean it it literally, I, 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 you know, it did. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say, I'd say, good riddance. I think it's Josh Whittaker when he get when he's doing interviews, he often get asked what's you know what's the best heckle, and he will always just say, "There's no such thing as a good heckle." Mm. Um, and, and I would agree with that. Now, Ray, this Tim and I, the least we can always do is read all the paraphernalia, and we've this one has really, this one's got under our skin. Please talk us through it. This is such a great idea. I'm halfway. I'm halfway to qualifying for this tour, right? I was, yeah. you know. But please, where's the idea come from? Please explain to the listener because this this is this is a tour with a difference. Yeah. So my I, so my mum and dad are both deaf. So I got learning sign language. So my last two tour shows I've done all in sign language, and I wanted to do something a bit different, but something that's still visual. And I'm constantly, as a bold person, you'll be getting this constantly getting told who I look like so I thought I'm going to do a show where I try to find the person that looks most like me so I'm doing a show called Doppelginger I have a website doppelginger.net people can submit pictures I get I wake up to four five six different bald pictures a day <laughs> my inbox my inbox looks like an EDL meeting it is just constant <laughs> bald people continually um, and it's been great so I'm trying to find the most bald ginger person that looks like me. And we're getting close. We've not we've not nailed it yet, but I've got a couple of really, really good ones. And every single submission, I think we're up to 300 and something just now. Um, 
That's amazing. It's so funny. It just makes me laugh every single one. So right, imagine someone listening to this, either they they qualify or a you know a friend, relative, etc. qualifies. How do they reach out to you? Just go to there's a website, doppelginger.net, and it doesn't matter how you spell it, because I bought both variations just in case, because uh you go there, doppelginger.com was six hundred quid, so that's why it's dot net. And the idea is you submit a picture and I'll hopefully you know, I'm gonna try to do some all bald ginger audience gigs. Uh, got them lined up. I hired a billboard in Westfield a couple of weeks ago, and that was really good. We got quite a few people off the back of that. Um, and just, yeah, because I'm fed up people people going, you look like this person. And I want to be able to go, no, I don't. I look like Craig, an accountant from Hull, and show that picture, and that'll be me kind of done. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. And all the whole that's idea right. came, uh, I did Melbourne Comedy Festival 2016, and a girl came up to me after a show, and she was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, oh, I've, I've got a girlfriend. Um, thanks, but no thanks. And she was like, no, I'm not hitting on you. And I was like, well, that felt quite hurtful, the bluntness of that. And I was like, what is it? She went, um, there's a ginger pride rally in town tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So we went along, me and my now wife, and there were 600 ginger people. I don't know if you've ever seen 600 ginger people. It's pretty unsettling. Like, it's too many. And we, um, I started meeting all these ginger people and there's some people that looked a bit like me and it just kind of went from there. And now I'm doing a show about it. So I've got a few good ones so far. I'm always keen for more. So if you know anyone, send them my way. Doppelginger.net. Yep. I, 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 was, one, I was in a, a restaurant with my wife, central London, and uh, this young waiter came over to me and he goes... Uh, you famous and my wife any so anything where where there's a chance for my ego to come out my wife quite rightly is just like oh for god's sake so my wife immediately <laughs> is just like oh god here we go and i'm thinking oh someone's been to always be comedy you know so I, so i'm like well yeah, I want, I certainly wouldn't say famous but uh you know you, you were you were a, a comedy fan and the guy goes no and i'm i'm go oh Sorry, what? And he goes, you're the guy from Porn Stars. And he thought I would... <laughs> oh, he, he thought I was Rick Harrison from, <laughs> from Porn Stars. Rick, hang on. That's... Rick Harrison is... I've got to say, Rick, Rick Harrison is a, a real... He looks like a real alpha manly man. So I'm sure it's a compliment. But Rick Harrison is also touching 60 years old. So it was... Uh... Yeah. I one of the ones I get I get John Hartson a lot Welsh footballer <laughs> I get um and that's I, a good, I've met I've met John tons and we don't think we look at I feel like if we we're a Pokemon I would evolve into him like I feel that's the way it would go uh, but I don't think we look the same and then there's another guy that plays for Hearts called Liam Boyce who I really do look like the one that's weird for me eight you're talking about the Pawn Stars guy is I have the same face not the same hair but the same face as an actor called Michael Rappaport, who played uh, Phoebe's boyfriend and friends, the cop that shoots the bird. Now, Michael Rappaport is like 65 years old. But see if you put our pictures side by side. We are pretty much the same face, which is not ideal. Michael Rappaport um, has been in some absolute classics as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's been in everything, but yeah. Um, he blocked me on Twitter for a bit because I said, hi, Michael, we've got the same face. Do you want to get a pint and stare at each other? And he just blocked me. But I've been unblocked. So someone's obviously done something for me, which was good. Um, so, yeah, so 
also, I think we're, we're probably quite similar in that we're quite smiley, I don't think quite smiley, affable guys. So yep. I don't know about you, but when I, when I see that someone's blocked me, I, it really, sh- it really shocks me. Well, yeah, I've, I've not blocked that many people. I, I find it funny when people block you because I'm like, just don't follow me. What are you doing? Why do you have to hide me so much? There's some random guy that had blocked me. And I'm just like, I was just like, <laughs> it's very revealing that this was my reaction. Me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, if I was like some sort of edgelord who was, you know, dishing out hurtful comments, but, you know. GB News. Yeah. If I was Mr. GB News. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but then you start like racking your brain of like, God, I wonder, I wonder if I like inadvertently upset him at a gig or something, you know. Um, but then surely you wouldn't go out your way to do that. I, do you ever, be honest, do you ever Google yourself? Yeah, I do. But hang on. Let me explain before the listener throws the phone into the Thames. Oh, no, that's no, no, going to sound arrogant. The Always Be Comedy podcast has been, we're very grateful. It is picked up a lot in the news. And so, for example, we interviewed Andy Hamilton and he talked about this concept woke. And that got picked up uh, like yeah. a lot. Like the Times did a big piece, the Mail did a big piece. Uh, and so I would like to think that we're, to, and I, I'm going to drag Tim down with me. When we're Googling, it's to see if we're being picked up anywhere. Right, I don't think for a minute that Steven Spielberg is about to, you know, ask me to ink a, a three picture deal with him. Yeah, I I don't really Google myself, but I've been Googling, like for this show, I was Googling myself and I, I, I Googled famous bald gingers, right? And uh, I think I'm number 30 and number 29, <laughs> number 29 is Damien Lewis and number 31 is Bruce Willis. And then I was buzzing and then I told my wife that and she was like, yeah, but one's not bald and the other one's not ginger and you're still below them. Uh, I take that all. So, yeah, so that's what that's what I'm doing. Just going out and trying to find people that look like me, and it's uh, just every morning waking up and looking at your inbox. And it's funny, like there was a guy that sent a picture of him and a dog. Uh, was that yesterday? What was it? Uh, yeah. So this picture. So just a man and his dog. I think he looks more like you than me. But like little comments, it just says. So it's him and a dog, and he says, "I'm the one on the right." just so we can know he's not the dog. Things like that always make me laugh. There's been a guy in Glasgow who works in a bookshop and people have told him he looks like me so often that his workmates have changed his name tag to Ray. Outstanding. And people will ask him why is comedy not going that well if he's working in a bookshop. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, so it's funny finding out all these backstories. So um, so the, the, the listener, what would they expect from this, from this show then? So it's going to be, um, I tell stories, so it's going to be the story of me trying to find the people that look like me, how I came up with it, what I'm doing. And the last kind of two shows I said, like, because I've done sign language stuff, it's all been family stuff. This one's a bit more about, like, me, myself, and finding out a little bit more about what I look like. My, I'm doing a DNA test, which I'm quite excited about, because one of my mates recently did it, and he's 99.8% from this small island in Scotland. And he was seeing a girl and she put up her results and she's 99.5% from the same island. No. So he was like, oh, I'm, sh- I'm shagging my cousin. 
right? So, so I'm very intrigued. So I've done the customary thing you need to do before you do an ancestry test and check to see if your mum's in an affair. And uh, she says she's not, so it's, it's going to be safe to kind of go and do it uh, because that's always the worry, isn't it? But I, I surely this lends itself to obviously it's all show, yes. But this lends itself to to, to video content, to, uh, TV or or something like a, a web series. I'm thinking, I know it wouldn't work as a podcast because it's visual, but uh, yep. the, the, you may have heard of the podcast Dead Eyes, which is a right. This is a this is a really this is a great podcast. It's not it's not always be comedy podcast, but it's a great podcast. Comedian and actor, uh, he was he was cast in Band of Brothers. I've heard of this. And, and he went on this odyssey, this quest to get to the bottom of this story. And when it's described to you, it sounds like he's being ironic or taking the mickey. You get to like episode two and you realize that, no, this guy, he, he really need, he needs closure on this. Um, and so you, you're, this show reminds me of this in that you, you, are, you are embarking on, on a quest here. So... Do I, do I take it that that is the plan further down the line? Yeah, so we're filming some stuff coming up in the next couple of months and then just kind of see where it goes from there. I think we live in a world now where content's king, isn't it? Uh, as much as we all hate putting out clips and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the way we're going to kind of go. Once I start meeting up with people and finding out about people's lives, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all compares, what age they went bald at, if they enjoyed being ginger, because being ginger is not always fun at school times and... A little bit about every person. I think it's going to be. It's. I like meeting people. I. I. I host a radio show, um, sometimes in Scotland, and uh, my my producer always says that I'm one of the most interesting in people people he's ever met because I find everyone quite fascinating. So I think that kind of thing is going to be quite fun to do. Um, and yeah, hopefully, just do some stupid shit. Like when I was I was in India recently and I tried to find some bald ginger people and it was um. An absolute washout, to be honest. It was absolutely <laughs> pointless. But um, yeah, so just try that kind of stuff. What What age were you when? I, I feel comfortable asking this because we, 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 you know, we've all got our stories. Yeah. If I wasn't a bald man, I wouldn't ask this because it's too personal. But you know, this is like let, let the healing begin, Ray. What What age were you? How did you find out? I think I was about maybe 23, 24, and it was receding. And this is genuinely how I found out I was going bald. Two times in a row, my haircut at the barbers was a pound cheaper. And I said to the guy, I was like, am I going bald? He was like, yeah. So I was like, you just shave it. And he did it. And it must have been, yeah, 24, 25. Because then I remember not long after I was doing the warm up for the New Year's Eve Hogmanay show in Glasgow and everyone got quite a surprise. Um... And then I remember my mate got really drunk and just kept touching my head for ages. What age were you? I, I was the same. I was about 23, but I went yeah. to university. I looked, I mean, I looked prepubescent at university. So I like, I reckon for about, for about two weeks of my entire life, I like looked the age that I was supposed to be. So like, so when I, well, when you I was- you look really young then really old straight away? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> like, mate, like, fucking extraordinary. So I went to university, people thought I was a child genius, then they saw my results, he's not a genius. <laughs> and then, so, from the age of 18 through to my early 20s, I had to carry a, if I had to go drinking, I had to carry a passport, needed Ooh. it every time, every every single time. My passport was was battered, like I was Alan Wicker, even though, like, you know, 
I've been to Scarborough, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. so everywhere I went, and I always, I always had like a, a stock line for a bouncer. <laughs> you might say I use oil of Ulay, and it's like fuck off, you know. So <laughs> passport, <laughs> just just go in the club, you little twat. Yeah. So passport, 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 and then move to London. Go get my hair cut. Probably about, yeah, about twenty three. They hold the mirror up at the, for the back of the head, and I can, I can, I. That is a that is a core memory. I I I know where it was. It was in Chiswick. Yeah. I can visualize. You know, I'm I'm transported back there now because it is such a oh no. You know, it's that sort of moment. And then um, and then as as the as the weeks, months, years pass. You, you know, you might be in a random bar and there's a mirror placed where you wish there was a mirror and you're seeing your head from different angles. And yeah, it's it's really it's sobering stuff, isn't it? Kerry Marx has got a really good bit about when he's on a bus. And I love Kerry. I think he's such a good comment. He's on a bus and he's like, fucking hell, that guy's bald. And then he realizes it's a camera on him. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, it must happen to everyone at some point. Oh, and there's a, there's a really self conscious of it. And I, I know I went on uh, I went on Good Morning Britain to talk. It was like a light, supposed to be like a light hearted segment about being bald. It was me and Aldo Zilli. And I, I went on there and said the same. <laughs> what? Mate, it was. So the, the, this was. This was supposed to be a light-hearted segment, and I'm supposed to be like pro bald, which is true. I, you know, I'm like whatever. You know, I, I wish I'd shaved my head sooner. I, I, I was trying to all manner of comb mm, over yeah, spikes yeah, yeah. and all of that. But anyway, I went on there and said how uh, when I started losing it, I would I was so self-conscious. I would um, if I was at a party, I'd like feign a conversation so that I could walk out of the room backwards. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I didn't want I didn't want people to see my. I mean, it was worse than a, a fryer took, but the um, I think I've, <laughs> That's insane. I might have said this before, but this was a, it was posted this lighthearted thing on Good Morning Britain, and they they tagged me in a tweet, and because they've got such uh, passionate followers, yeah, my phone just like melted. So I've not I basically I've not had notifications on my phone ever ever since because it was. I've uh, I have that quite a lot. I do Sky Sports News quite a lot, and all I oh, do. Oh yeah, is you I do, just, of course, for the Scotland games. Yeah, I just go on and slag England. That's all I do, no matter what happens. And then my phone. Beca- I remember we were playing England in a friendly in September, and I talked about how shite England were and how Scotland were going to be. And I remember um, before the game, I looked at that tweet, the video, and two hundred eighty-four people had bookmarked it. And then England go three-one up. That's a lot I, of people to bookmark something. And I just felt my phone vibrating. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I just, it was just constant slagging me off. And I was like, that's fair because I've gone out and done it. But sometimes some of the comment sections can be absolute bin fires. There's one now, I've got a clip that's gone viral this week. And um, it's just people in America arguing over what time half six is. That's all it is. <laughs> like people just like, I didn't fucking say that. Don't accuse me of that. And it's like, oh my God. God, just relax, man. Someone thought, see, when I said half six in the morning, someone thought I meant 3 a.m. because it's half of six. <laughs> I was like, what is the point in your country, man? What's that? What's Bridges' line about England, Scotland? It's something like, um, oh, so he does, you know, he does a very good English accent. Is it something? He does like, a great um, English accent. Oh, so you're saying that um, whenever England play in sport, you just want them to lose? And then Kevin goes, yeah, that's pretty much it. I. Yeah, yeah, it's the Andy Murray thing. Yeah, when Andy Murray in two thousand five, they asked him, "Who do you want to win the World Cup for coming up for the two thousand six? And he said, "Anyone but England." And 
people went mental. But in Scotland, there was an ABE, anyone but England, T-shirt range that was printed and stuff like that. But yeah, that's it. You always want to see them do well for a bit and then get humiliated maybe around the semi-final time. It's kind of what I live for. Oh, we're more than happy to oblige, don't you? Don't yeah. worry about yeah. that. And we'll, and we'll do the same. Time, like, I watched that, the Scotland-England game. I think that's maybe the third or fourth one I've been to in the last few years. And this time, I was watching like Jude Bellingham running at us, and I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait to use losing a semi-final. <laughs> this oh, is going to be so good. I mean, putting England-Scotland to one side, Jude Bellingham is... I mean, he's phenomenal. He, he's half my... He's, I think he's more than half my... He's a lot more than half my age. Do you remember when everyone made fun of Birmingham for retiring his shirt when he was 17? And then now he's the best player in the world. Mate, I've 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 tweeted to personally apologize to Birmingham City. <laughs> they retired his shirt. I was the first I'm on this WhatsApp group of Palace fans, and we're all like, sad yeah. bastards. And now I'm like, I am so you were correct to retire that he's, shirt number. He's just so. I watched. I actually watched a video clip of all his uh, La Liga goals this morning. That's how I. That's how I spend my morning. I take oh, my boy to nursery. I think come we home and we, just watch football clips. We we, we have very similar uh, spare time because that, that's the sort of thing that, that I would do. Now, before yeah. we get to the green gig, Ray. So to see Ray on tour, it is raybradshaw.com. Uh, yep. Kicking off in Southend. What a great place to kick off. Twenty uh, fifth of February, and then all across. I mean, that's it. Tell you what, mate, that is a lovely meaty tour as well, isn't it? Yeah, so I think we've got 37, 38 dates. The last time was about 40. So, like, it ranges from the Scottish shows, so, like, the Pavilion in Glasgow is 1,400, Edinburgh's 1,000, all the way down to, I think the first one, South End's 100-seater. I did last time. South End was the second most drunk show I did last year. Uh, well, this year, going into last year. Um, and the most drunk went to Greenock, outside Glasgow, which uh, Paul Smith says is the worst gig he's ever done. He had to walk off. Uh, so, yeah, so um, I'm really, really looking forward to it because last time I started in the Soho Theatre and then we went straight in, whereas this time we're doing like there and then South End, then Cardiff, which is always a great gig, and then just all up and down the country. Going to a couple of places I've never been to, like Aylesbury, North Finchley, never been there. Um and other places that it's just always fun to go to. Like I've always loved Chester. Chester always seems to be one of the best dates of the tour. Um, and this time going to Dublin, Belfast last year. I finished in Belfast last year and it was an absolute riot. So I didn't Dublin in this year, so I'm absolutely buzzing for it. It's just mm -hmm. nice. It's it's mental when you see people turning up to come see you. Like it still still feels quite surreal even now. Ray, I would love to know, how did the uh, relationship with John start? And, uh, and I know that you helped him with his own BSL journey as well. So if, I only met him once, right? So John did a cool thing. Him and Manfred did this thing where they did a different support act every night. And I got booked to do, it was a local gig for everyone. So I got Kendall in the Lake District, even though I live in Glasgow. So it was a three hour drive. And then I turn up and um, we chat in the corridor. We go on quite well. We're kind of similar people, I think, as well. And I go on stage and I do 25 minutes with mom and dad being deaf and sign language and stuff like that. And then I came off stage and he's like, whoa. And I was like, what? And he was like, he was talking about learning sign language that day, like coincidentally. And then I was like, oh, I do this. Um, and he was like, your mom and dad really deaf? And I was like, yeah, it's a lot to make up like in quite a short amount of time. So we get chatting and the next day he phones me and he was like, do you want to come join me on tour? For the first, it was 12 dates in December 2021, it was going to be. And I was like, yep, 
so I cancelled all my Christmas gigs, went on tour with him for 12 dates, and then that became the end of December, became all of January, and then all of January became all of February, and then it became all the arenas, kind of went like that. But he was like, I'm going to try learn sign language and do a show in it. And the first day of the tour, we're in Nottingham, and then we go to London, and he goes to meet some people, and then all of a sudden we've got a documentary about him and his son Joe exploring his hearing loss, and it was it's a brilliant show. Besh worked so hard doing the signing, and I it was so funny. The day we so we did a whole gig in sign language in Bedford with other deaf comics, me and him. It was felt we went out on ITV, um, prime time as well for a stand up show, and uh, it was the most nervous I've ever seen him. He was shitting himself, and weirdly, so I've never had an opening act ever, so I've never had a support act because I've been signing my own stuff. So I did a work in progress at the fringe to a 55-seater room and John came and opened me two, he opened for me two days in a row to sign. And it was, I felt buzzing because I had John Bishop opening for me. It was really cool. But you know what fringe rooms are like? There's no backstage. So I was like, I've got a special guest who's going to come up and open the show and he's going to do a show in sign language in English. And I was like, is it John Bishop? And I was like, and I went, yeah, how do you know that? And they're like, He's standing in the corner of the room and he was just standing <laughs> waiting to come on. And they'd all just been like, oh, John Bishop's here. And then John came in, did five, 10 minutes in sign language. We filmed it. An interpreter gave him some feedback and went and did it. But the stuff he's done has been brilliant. And off the back of that, so every tour date I do this year, I'm not signing it myself this year. I've done two shows like that, so I want to do something different. So I've got um, a, sign, a different sign language interpreter every show. So, because it's important that if people come to show, it's important. Because it's, it's, it's my culture, it's my history. So, like, it's a big part of my identity. So to be able to do that is quite cool. And you see people in the audience that look like your family. So I always think it's really cool. John Bishop is an authentically good dude as well. I've been his war guy for a, a lot of years. Um, and on the previous series of the, the John Bishop show, as, as you know, he had a, a BSL interpreter. Yep. And the guys who attended in the audience was so appreciative and grateful and they loved that he'd done it and the way he would interact with them uh i was gonna say after a gig you know what john's like before during and after the gig yeah uh we uh fantastic. yeah we we used to do that all the time like you'd have to have spare tickets with you at all times because me and john would meet people and just offer tickets to every show yeah um but yeah the fact he did that in a um a chat show i think is amazing like actually amazing that he's gone out and doing that and uh, yeah dead proud of him for everything he's done and he's still kind of going on I spoke to him not that long ago he's still trying to do as much as he can he's working with a deaf comedian called Gavin Lilly who's brilliant and just trying to go on there so yeah it seems like it's the future isn't it everything's becoming a bit more accessible for in a much better way this episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com 
and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. So you need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person, and I appreciate you, and I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Well, Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there's something for everyone on Etsy. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Uh, right, Ray, you are you're curating your, your dream gig, a fancy gig. Do you, Ray Bradshaw, do you have any pre-gig rituals? Not really. Um, no, I just kind of turn up, do my thing, and then leave. That's very much my thing. I don't get nervous. I think that's uh, I think that's one of the reasons me and Bishop really got on well because neither of us got so. I remember backstage at the O2, chatting as they were saying, "Please welcome to the stage Ray Bradshaw." Me and him were just chatting, and then I would just walk on, do my stuff. Um, so I've never really got nervous. I think it comes from. When I was like six or seven years old, I would phone the bank for my mum and dad or interpret in a situation. So stand in front of people's never faced me ever. So no, I don't really have any pre-game ritual. I, I love watching comics do theirs. Like they need to listen to a certain song. They need to write a set list out. They need to, nah, nothing for me. Turn up, do it and go. Do you know what? I, I As you know, I do a lot of TV warm-up. I was warming up for Martin Lewis last night. And before the warm-up, I wasn't nervous and had to make myself nervous. Really? Yeah. I need I need I need the nerves and the adrenaline. I sort of need something to react to and all of that. So I was quite zen, flat, I don't know what you know, call it whatever you want. And I was yeah. like, oh no, 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 no. I put we're all different, aren't we? So I was I had to get myself into that. And it worked, you know, but I had to get yeah. myself into that. No, 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 come on, I need to so then I had to like talk myself into it. Um so when I hear someone like you say that, it's it's a thing that I'll never, I can't relate to it. And I'll yeah. never, I, 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 I can't, I just can't imagine what that must be like. But yeah, I'm, I am in awe of that answer, you know? It makes, I think it just makes life so much easier. Like nothing I do phases me, whether it's like, I did a 9 a.m. corporate last week and for a big company. A 9 a.m. corporate? 9 a.m., yeah, yeah. So I was on. Wait, I'm nervous for, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, turn up. And I was like, great, I'll be done by 10. Like, I, it's just the way I'm very lucky. And that's the way that it's always been. So, because I suppose I've probably been standing and speaking in front of people for the last, I'm 35 now, it's so probably 28, 29 years. And it's just kind of really natural. So I'm so happy because I've seen people, I've seen people be sick. You know, that kind of pacing walk you get. The main thing I do is, um, the only time I really have any kind of ritual is this time of year. I'm sure you've got it as well when your voice is going a bit because all the bugs are going around and I'll just drink a few a bit more water. That's it. My that yeah, it. my I've just I've had a run of there've been a lot of long warm-up records. So mine mine now is quite reedy. I could yeah. I've got a couple of days off and I need to chill chill my language, chill the fuck out basically. <laughs> um who who would MC the gig, Ray? So I'm going to go for a lineup of people I've never gigged with and probably will never gig with. So I love that theme. 
it makes it makes more sense because like I'm very lucky I've gigged with the first comedian I ever went to see live was Frankie Boyle when I was 17 years old and I've toured with him. Um I've I think Ken Bridges is the best comic we've produced in ages and gig with him and it goes all the way up from Romesh, all these people who are le- bishop legends, but I've I've met them all, so what's the point? I think I mean I think Kevin is in terms of what you call it I've heard like an old showbiz term, front of curtain comedy, or you know, traditional stand-up comedy. Call it whatever you want, observational stand-up comedy. I think Kevin's the the greatest of all time. He's I. We used to when he first broke through. He used to I used to play fives with him, and he would do these Kevin Bridges and Friends shows that I would do every now and then. And just watching him build up a show was unreal. It was so good. Him and Frankie together, just very different styles, but the work ethic they have, and you can see why they're the cream of the crop. Um, so I've gone for MC, um, Victoria Wood. Mate, great choice. Yeah, I think it'd be fun, silly, chatty, everything an MC should be. Um, and that, do you know that way, I, I hate watching the kind of acerbic, quote-unquote, vicious MCs that are attacking people, whereas... I much prefer, I love doing a gig, see when you turn up and the compare has met four or five people in the audience, learns a little bit about them and it gives you reference points to go through it and you can, or you can go, oh, I can do that bit for them and that bit for them. And I think she'd be great. And also, I'm never going to get a chance to gig with her, obviously. So I think that'd be a fun start. I think, again, going back to the heckling thing, I'm seeing as, I mean, I'm I'm a very uh, upbeat MC, you want to pump as much love into the room as possible. Yeah. But I am fascinated. If I, I do enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm. Tim's the same. We're a good audience. When someone tells us what MCs were like in the eighties and nineties, it blows my mind. Like almost, yeah. almost making people cry. Yeah, and that's, that's, and that's why people don't want to sit in the front. That's why. It... It's like yes, it goes back to that thing. Do you want to sit on the front? Oh no, I don't want to get picked on. And you're like, you've got to sort of like explain to them. No, 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 no! It's not that sort of, it's not that yeah. sort of thing, you know. Yeah. It's people trying out new material. It's much more chill. Um, so yeah, that's why I would go someone like her. And I've tried to do that with everyone. Of the gig I've got is mental. I think it would be amazing, but also just it'd be a one-off, definitely. Also, well, I think you know, I, I think a lot of us think about Victoria Wood a lot. It's a shame. I sort of lament the end of those sorts of comedy variety sketch shows where, you know, Victoria Wood, Dave Allen, someone coming out, performing to the audience, Victoria Wood, you know, invariably sing a song, and then cutting to amazing pre-recorded sketches and the like. I yep. I, I love those shows, but... So I spent a lot of time growing up at my grand and grandpa's because um, they were the ones that would... So my grand and grandpa speak, obviously, so that's where I'd get the kind of speech from and also watching uh, telly a lot. So I grew up So I grew up in the 90s as well, so this is past it, but my grandpa had VHSs of Dave Allen. I watched a lot of Dave Allen. Dave Allen, he nearly made the list for this, very nearly. I went for something slightly different, but have you ever seen his routine about teaching a kid how to tell the time? Yeah. Phenomenal. 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 Um, I would watch a lot of old-school sitcoms like Faulty Towers and things like that. Lots of Two Ronnies. Lots of two Ronnies. Everyone talks about four candles and four candles, but the best sketch they do is the mastermind sketch. Hey, I was going to guess. I was, I was, I was so close to going. Let me guess, and I, and it was mastermind. That's a it's great. It's phenomenal. Sketch. Yeah, it's two punchlines on every joke. 
Yeah, because it's the joke before and the joke. Yeah. It's so good. Um, so I that's that was my childhood growing up was watching Morecambe and Wise, watching all those kind of old style stand ups, and then in the early noughties, there was a show in Scotland called the Live Floor Show. So it's not BBC Scotland. So. Frankie Boyle, um, Revendo Badaya, Miles Jupp, Vladimir McTavish. Um, and then it kind of went on. Daryl Breen did some. Doug Stanhope did some. And it be on a Friday night. Uh, Craig Hill was on. And I would stay up age 12, 11, 12, yeah. till about 11, quarter past 11, and watch this every week. And then I started getting more into stand-up, and then it went that way. So it kind of developed that way. Uh, if the listener, I mean, you might have seen it as well, Ray, to check out how much budgets in television have, have changed, go on YouTube, check out the two Ronnies Alice in Wonderland sketch. Yeah. Mate, I reckon the budget on that one sketch, I bet you could make a whole series these days. Well, when was it in one of the lockdowns? One of the someone was meant to have a sitcom and lockdown happened and uh, the BBC phoned them up and one of the regions said their budget for the rest of the year was less than one episode would cost, so they just cancelled the whole show. And I think it's kind of stayed that way. So, oh my gosh. So yeah. So there's not a lot there, is there, man? So yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's why I went Victoria. Even stuff like Dinner Ladies is just incredible, Iconic. isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Right. Who would uh, who who would open? So after I watched the live floor show, the next thing I got into, um, I bought some VHSs, um, and then DVDs. Just like two thousand three, two thousand four from HMV of Def Jam Comedy. And I'm going to go for my opener, Bernie Mac, who... One of the most seminal stand-up performances in the history of television. Just so, so, so good. Uh, I scared you. It's so good, man. I mean, the jeans. <laughs> yeah, it's his face. The <laughs> jeans so alone. Only Bernie Mac could get away, and he, he somehow does get away with it, wearing a pair of they're, they're like baggy jeans, aren't they? With his own face yep. painted on them. On his essential TV debut. So he wasn't even that well known and he's coming out wearing his own face and his jeans and he turns the room around and it sums up to me what comedy is about because I get told about that clip in a takeaway in Lancaster by Deliso Chaponda to go home and watch it. And then two months later, me and Deliso were gigging together in Singapore and I'd watched it, and then it just shows, like, you can be in Lancaster one week and Singapore the next. And I started, I'd, I'd seen so much Def Jam, the kind of Martin Lawrence stuff, all that kind of era. Chris Tucker, that's a great set on there. Yeah, and I loved it because it was something I'd never seen before. Like, so different. Like, the fact, I was talking to Ori Style about this not long ago. The fact there's a DJ at the back of the gig. Can you imagine that happening in, like, Paisley? Like, it just wouldn't happen. And it so fits everything about it, so... Also, the way that the way def, the way that that show is is shot, I think is some of the best um, uh, direction and editing in TV stand up ever. I think I think that show they they capture what live stand up is in a way that a lot of specials don't capture. They've got the um, it's not even like a hard camera; it's from the side, and you can see the front three angles of the rows reacting. So you can oh, it's it's, it's so really good. good. It's really good. So. I think he's great. Again, someone that I wouldn't get a chance to gig with. Uh, I loved um, that clip kind of got me into a lot more. And yeah, so I'd go for him. I think that's a nice change of pace from Victoria Wood to Bernie Mac. I think it'd be a good laugh. This is an Imagine him chatting gig. backstage. 
Oh, wonderful. So good. Uh, right, great choice. We go for a break. Who's in the middle? Uh, I tried to get some. I always like having a, not just three straight stand-ups, so I've mixed it up. So in the middle, but 2005, so I left school 2006, so it would have been 2005. We've got my mate's house and we would watch YouTube all the time. And there was a musical act that was just at the top of their game around this time. And I drove back from Manchester uh, about two weeks ago and I just put uh, a YouTube playlist of their songs on and did it. So in the middle, I'd have Flight of the Concords and stick them in there. Absolutely extraordinary. So that, so successful, so big, changed the game so much that, that, that there is now such a thing as what you would call a new a New Zealand brand of comedy that's slightly yeah. quirky, you know, off the wall. And I went to, uh, I spent a month in New Zealand. I did New Zealand International Festival this year, and there was a, a oh, what were they called? Um, I'll find their name. They were there was like a New Zealand musical comedy duo, and it was like Freight the Concords, but they could cock up at any moment. And just watching that, I was like, oh, you're quite heavily influenced. But I remember I hadn't listened to their songs in about. 10, 12 years maybe. And straight away when I was in the car that night, I was singing along to Hip Hop Apotamus versus the Rhyme Nosters, I'll Be the Racist Dragon. Um, so much, but it's business time. Like it just unlocked that kind of core memory in a way that I think stand up might not, but musical comedy does. And is it uh, the Pet Shop Boys parody? Is that Inner City Pressure? Is it? There's a song called Inner City Pressure, it's a spoof of the Pet Shop Boys. That's a great, and that's a great pop song. I didn't know that was a spoof of that. My music, see, when you grew up with deaf parents, your music knowledge is dreadful. I remember in 2011, I got Spotify and I found this band. And I was like, they're going to be huge. And I told my mate to go listen to them. And he said, what's their name? And it was Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> and I thought, I thought I discovered them in 2011. So that's my music knowledge. So, so much so. Uh, Radio that's, Scotland gave, gave me and Mark Nelson so a music show where he teaches me music. So yeah, my music knowledge is dreadful. Um, so, that's how I'd go. A nice change of pace, stick them in the middle. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, Felicity Ward is now in a telly show which Jermaine is directing and they've just moved on and on. Or he's, is he the showrunner and it's Taika Wahike? It's something like that. And I was, she was telling me about it. I was just like, that's amazing, isn't it? Like your uh, life has just moved on. And they've said that the, the Concord lads have said that at the time of that TV show, they would, they would say to the network, I think it was HBO, wasn't it? Oh, we want this guy to <laughs> want this guy to direct episodes, and they were like, "Who is it?" And they said, "It's this guy called Taika Waititi." And I know the <laughs> part of the network were like, oh, "We're not so sure." And then you know, of course, the you know, the the rest is his. It's just weird. It's I I do like comedy shows. Like that. I love Tim Robbins, and I think you should leave. I love Auntie Donna, the Australian kind of anti sketch sketch guru. Um, who the Netflix series and yeah, I, I like things that are different to my style because I can't understand how it works. So I like watching it. Yeah, and I I I, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Who would uh, who who would close this juggernaut? Uh, the goat, the absolute goat, Billy Connolly. <sighs> what a lineup that is! Is he your greatest of all time? I think if you're Scottish, he kind of has to be. Like, would, I, Scott, I would think, the Scottish put him above Kevin? I think, I think it depends generationally, doesn't it? But 
yeah, Connolly is revered up here. Like he is the one you would get shown by your parents, by your grandparents, whether it's some of the stand-up clips, whether it's him and Parkinson just never finishing a story and talking about parking a bike in a bomb and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, Connolly is I mean, he was 80 recently and there was a few, was it a year or two ago? And they asked a few comics to say words on him and everyone was just saying waxing lyrical about him. I think he is. There's murals of him. If you drive through Glasgow, there's murals of him. He is. It's some of his clips, man. He's just so naturally funny. It's, it's, he is what funny bones is, isn't he? Like, just so, so good. I mean, the chat show appearances, is, you know, specifically the, the parky ones, are the, the they're the stuff of legend, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. And when I, I do Friends now in a venue called The Waverley in Edinburgh, so it's a room above a pub, it's away from the festival, it's just me doing work in progress stuff. And that was where he started doing music in Edinburgh. So there's, when you go into the toilets, there's pictures of him and Jerry Rafferty on a tiny stage upstairs. And wherever you are in Glasgow, there are Billy Connolly things, whether it's the shipyards or growing up in Anderson, which is not too far from where I kind of grew up. Um, so yeah, so it would have to be him. And I think, again, I'm not going to get a chance to gig with him anymore. So he's kind of chucked it. I never got to see him live and it makes me sad. It really makes me sad. I saw, I, 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 sorry, I'm not really helping you here. I saw him at the Apollo at probably about 15, I bet, maybe, I bet it's longer than 15. I bet it's closer to 20 years ago. Um, do you do you have a favourite album or a favourite bit of, of Billy's? No, because I think it's kind of, I think it's going to be similar. In my generation, they're going to be showing a lot of chewing the fat and still game, which were two big kind of um, sketch shows and sitcoms up here. I would when I went to my grand grandpa's or when I went to someone's house, they would just show you a Billy Connolly clip, and it it doesn't matter what bit it is; it's always funny. And even now, like you can come home and occasionally on Really or one of the TV channels, it's his Australian tour, his New Zealand traveling around, and he's talking about stuff you don't really understand. And um, so that's why I went. If I was doing comics, I'd gigged with. I would give honorable mentions to, in my opinion, the two best circuit comedians uh, people that make me laugh so much that I've always thought this um, are Dan Nightingale who I think is amazing and uh, Carl Donnelly who I once did a media with him and this is about 2012-13 and we did three nights he did a different 20 every night like completely different and I was just like this guy is amazing like amazing some of them were just ridiculous stories and yeah I just always thought he was so, so good. So I just thought, instead of going for people that I've gigged with, why not go for them? Um, but I must say, Billy, Billy and Albert, and that's a that's a great special, isn't it? And uh, the the, yeah, the yeah. iconic audience with is extraordinary as well. I miss them. Why did they not come back? They were so good. Terry Wogan just sitting in the audience next to Terry Butcher. <laughs> have nothing in common. Wincy Willis in there on the on the Connolly one, isn't there? <laughs> it's just always the most like if you did it now because there's even more shit celebrities, it'd be much more enjoyable. I think, I think that they would be tough gigs. Yeah, I think they probably went out when Thatcher died. I think they definitely would be. I think they'd be tough gigs. Uh, I mean, not, you remember that... at Live at the Apollo, they used to put celebrities in the front few rows and people would come out and roast Des Lynam and stuff. That's right. What was that's that all about? As well, actually. 
I don't know, but I, I just when you said that there, I was like, yeah, they stopped doing that as well, actually, didn't they? Oh, Anton Dubeck on the third row. It'd be like that, you know. <laughs> it was always that, yeah, yeah. I wonder what I wonder what I wonder what that was all about. They just stopped it one day and then it was almost like they didn't need it anymore. It's kind of when it moved from channel uh, BBC One to BBC Two. Just went that way. It seems in looking back, that seems incongruous that they did that. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to Can I do the, my set? Um, no, you've got to interact with Andrew Castle. <laughs> <laughs> sure, all right, fine. You know. <laughs> Sig. Second round in Wimbledon, 1987. Like, it's always that that comes off on Wimbledon, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I think you should get the audiences with that. Yeah, the Connolly one is so, so good. Remember ITV used to just randomly show them? And then every now and then, not that long ago, and then it would be followed up with, it'll be all right in the night. And it's one of those, when Victoria Wood passed away, there was lots of amazing content on telly. I think it would be the same when Billy Connolly goes, hopefully not soon, but... I do think that week or two, similar, similar to George Michael. George Michael passed away, all the documentaries, all the songs and all that kind of stuff came back yeah, out. Yeah. Just fascinating to see. I think if Connolly was in this generation, he'd be miles ahead. Miles ahead. Matt, Matt Ford and John Richardson, have you heard their story? They bumped into him in New York. No. Wonderful. They said it was like a really special interaction. Great. Fordy, Fordy was a more of an up-and-comer, I think. Billy says something. Fordy can do the accent. I can't. And I'll, yes, and I'll, of course it would be. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to apologize to every person on the planet. But it's basically Billy says to say Billy, I never met the guy, but Billy Connolly says to Fordy something like, um, it'll happen. It'll happen. Like really, uh, life so affirming. Warm. Life yeah. affirming. That's the, that's exactly it. It was life affirming. I mean, I wasn't there, but with the way Fordy tells it, it's quite, it's like spine tingling. Yeah. That's you know. just so cool, man. And he says like, it in yeah, a so... way that it was like a fact. It'll ha it'll happen, and, man. Yeah. Maybe he was talking about the Labour Party. You never know. <laughs> oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son? They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Is there an incident that you would somehow love to replicate at this gig? I think if I'm going to replicate a gig, I would like, I know just because we've spoke about it, I would like a really good heckle at one point. Just a really good heckle, maybe to Bernie Mac and just watch him absolutely destroy. Because I think in the whole time I've done comedy, I've seen three good heckles and... One of them, there was a, it was a bald comedian in Aberdeen who was in open spot, and he's doing so badly. Someone shouted out, "Your head is a solar panel for shit jokes," and I just remember thinking oh, that is man. an incredible heckle. So I would like Bernie Mac to get heckled, and I would like him to absolutely destroy the person in the audience. What? what Maybe say his iconic line. Maybe say it. I mean the what. To have that line as a as a as a runner and to and a catchphrase for the set is uh, something else. It's right, so the good. solar panel. What were the what were the other ones? Uh, I was the best cycle I've ever had. Some I've got it at my new show. Someone I was talking about Prince Harry when he got married, and someone shouted out, "You look like what would happen if Prince William fucked Prince Harry." And <laughs> I, I remember, you know, how usually you do a heckle put down. I remember standing on stage being like, "Nah, I kind of see it. Like that is great." And then there was a, the other last one was a comedian who was, I'm not going to name them, but they were struggling at a festival we were doing. And he went, right, I'm going to do a change of pace and talk about when I was a teacher. And there was this kid I taught, I can't remember his name, let's say it's Andrew. And someone from the audience shouted, get Andrew on. And then this person does another joke, doesn't land, doesn't does another joke, doesn't really land. And the same guy at the back went, Andrew, Andrew. <laughs> And they've lost all um, uh, kind of control of the room. It was I was caught. I was confiding that gig, and I came back on stage. And I was like, I'm not even gonna have a go at that person because that was what they did was very funny twice, and they were not a dick the rest of the time. They were just they got there. So yeah, something something a good heckle like that to Bernie Mac and just watch him destroy it. Um, is there an incident? Um that must not happen at this gig. I think this is, is this yeah, the story we, from the start of the record? Yes, this is. So I, I touched on this earlier. Um, I would not like this to happen to any of them. So when I was on tour with John, uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's been a little trouble between the North and the South of Ireland. What? Um, uh, yep, I got involved. I picked a side because on stage in Dublin Arena to eight and a half thousand Irish people, uh, I've one of the best gigs I've ever done in my life. Smashed it, and this is on film. At the end of the gig, um, in front of eight and a half thousand Irish people in Dublin, I said, "Thank you, Belfast. You've been amazing." And people went mental. I was getting booed. People thought I'd done it deliberately. Innocent slip of the tongue. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. The clip you can see me realize in about half a second. I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then. Even now, like my name's obviously Ray, I still get people calling me on Irish people still calling me IRA Bradshaw and stuff like that on Twitter. And oh, it was horrific. Like genuinely, 
to go from the elation of smash like I was I was one of the best guys in the tour. I remember John saying Dublin Arena is going to be one of the best ones. He filmed the show there. It was great. And then that happened. I was like, oh my God. So yeah, no one to do. So you've you've, you've won the match 4-0 and then with the last kick of the game, you've scissor kicked it past your own goalie. Yeah, yeah. I cantoned someone or like yeah. somehow I gave away four away goals. <laughs> I don't really understand. Oh, right. It was so, so bad. That's right. So, so it, bad. So it, it comes out the you know the the words you know it's come out of your mouth it's 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 echoing around the arena if you like what what happens do they do then they do they do the audience forgive you when you realize the mistake so yet yeah, i kind of flounder like i've got the clip i've not put it out yet because i'm still too scared that was nearly two years ago uh, i flounder i make a comment of oh i know what it's like some people think i'm english and i try to get away with it but i've lost all goodwill i've lost all goodwill and then to make it worse, I went back to my dressing I came off stage and John and all the crew were pissing themselves laughing. And I was like, I'm going to apologise. I did a tweet to apologise. And then I watched John on stage. I came back and uh, it turns out when I did the tweet to apologise, I made the same mistake again and got no, Dublin and Belfast confused. Yes, I did. No, you yes, did, I did not. So people Ray. thought I was deliberately doing it by that point Ray. and that made things worse. Mate. It was, I remember... We had an after-show party upstairs in Dublin Arena, and I was chatting to Joanne McNally, and I just remember chatting to her, just being like, I just want the ground to swallow me up <laughs> so much. She was like, I could be grand. And then, um, yeah, so that happened. And then we flew out the next morning, and I was shitting myself in case someone came and got me. <laughs> so that was that was Dublin and Belfast, so hopefully no one does that. How did, uh, how did John address it, or, or did he not? Went on stage and did about five minutes ripping the piss out of me. Which is, that's, that's the perfect way, isn't it? Yeah, just constantly laughing about it. and Because when I was on stage, I'd, I'd, I'd slag him off and then he would come on and slag me off and that's the way uh, it would go. And it was very fun. And then also, he because he's joking about it, he's making light of it, so he's... Yeah, he's... I mean, I think most people would have been fine had I not tweeted and made the same mistake thinking I was trying to rail them up. And I genuinely wasn't. <laughs> That's I had to delete incredible. it and put up another tweet. Um, oh, not long God. After. It was... It's like Sideshow Bob I, stepping on the rakes, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it did feel like that. It did feel like that, yeah. So, yeah, now, probably, you know, that way bands write their name in the back of the guitar. Like, I felt like I was going to have... I'd stop... Toward, that was towards the end of the tour. I stopped saying where I was, just in case. You're much better than Shelbyville. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how do you... How do you unwind... Final question, Ray. How do you unwind after a gig? Um, I listen to a lot of hip hop in the waiter gig, and, and if I'm driving home, I'll just listen to quite chill uh, music. And then usually, what I do is when I come back in the house, I will uh, YouTube the football highlights from that day. That's what I usually do. So, like last night, I was in Edinburgh, came back and watched the Man U highlights, uh, Arsenal highlights um, on YouTube, and then I'll go to my bed, and that's what I do. It's not even unwinding; it's just me. I'm a football geek. I love football. I do, um, Ray, I do a lot of that as well, but do you not sometimes find that if it's been a threat, I sometimes find if it's been a bit of a thriller, especially involving our my, my hero Jude Bellingham, it just gets me more fired up and then I can't sleep because I've just watched. No, I think a lot of times because it's only like two, three minute highlights. If it was watching a full game, see if I was watching 90 minutes, yeah, I would. And I do this quite a lot. So I support a team called Party Thistle. We're third best team in Glasgow. We're doing okay this season. We did better last season. And I don't have an English team. 
I follow team English teams that have Scottish players. So, like for example, at Palace, I always kind of look out for Edward because he did quite well up here. So it's always interesting to see how he does down right, there. Them are guys. Yeah, I saw them. I saw them. Yeah, and uh, so I do. I'll do that or Everton if it's Nathan Patterson or Billy Gilmore at Brighton things like that. I can find myself if I've got no stake in the game becoming really invested if it's a ninety minute game, but if it's highlights, the game's already happened. So I'll just watch them. Sometimes I quite enjoy. If I come home pissy, I've gone out for beers after with my mates and I watch the highlights. And the next morning I get up and I don't remember any of the highlights and get to watch them again. I do enjoy that. You get double. You, you know how in the YouTube, there's a wee thing at the bottom that shows you you've watched it. I was like, I don't remember that. Yeah. Maybe that was my four-year-old son watching Bournemouth against Portsmouth and the FA Cup highlights. I don't know. Maybe it was him. So, yeah, that's he what I loves. He loves Solanke, that lad. Um, <laughs> well, look, Ray, best of luck with the talk. Best of luck with the quest. And I think that, the, I mean, I'm telling you something that you already know here. This is just the beginning of this particular journey, I believe. Hopefully, yeah, it'd be fun. Hopefully I can kind of go out and create like a master race or just go out and get as many as possible. This can, I mean, this this has the scope to be a global thing. That's the thing, doesn't it? Yeah, that, and we've got some submissions already, a couple of Scandinavians, Americans, Australians and stuff like that. And I think the more kind of press it gets, uh, I think it is going to go bigger and let's see, let's see where it ends up. Superb. Uh, once again, doppelginger.net to reach out and then for the tour dates, raybradshaw.com. Rage of rage. <laughs> That's how you're feeling now. Is that subtle? I've just, I've just scissor kicked it into my own net. Uh, <laughs> I combined Ray and Ray and Ginger. I just want to explain where what had happened there. Uh, Jesus Christ. Ray, huge and heartfelt thanks for your time. Uh, bless you and good luck with the tour, mate. No worries. I'm going to be calling my next show Rage Bradshaw. Rage That's a great show. Bradshaw. There's, I mean, there's your wrestler name if you ever need it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, cheers, Ray. That was wonderful. Thanks very much. Uh, huge and heartfelt thanks to Ray Bradshaw. As we say, see him on tour. Very funny dude which actually takes me into my favorite memory of Ray Bradshaw. Uh, so I, dare I say it, I am, I think I can say it, I'm pals with John Bishop, right? In fact, he's about to walk. We could have a repeat if we're not careful. We really Because he's about to walk in the door any minute because we're about to do a show with, with John. And so uh, John very kindly invited me to see him at the O2 on his most recent tour, and his support was Ray Bradshaw. Now, uh, you, I know a lot of you guys are comedy fans, you attend gigs and shows and what have you, you know that the tour support can be a sticky wicket because in the eyes of some people, the tour support is the person who's in the way of the person that you've paid the money to see. Rightly or wrongly, that's just, that is how it is. Ray Bradshaw at the O2 absolutely roofed the tour support for John Bishop and I just thought, holy Christmas, uh, yeah, this this is a very very funny dude. I would say he had the O2 in the palm of his hand, and uh, yeah, that that takes some going. So so the favourite memory really does pick itself. It was it was very 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 impressive. Uh, Tim Lewis, my favourite memory of Ray Bradshaw. I don't know I don't know him very well. Our first interaction was him doing this podcast. However, the first time I saw him, we talked about this in the episode. For the Doppelginger tour, the prep for it, there was a there was a big billboard around Stratford Westfield, 
for Doppel Ginger where people could submit their photos. And that's the first time I ever saw that. And I was like, I recognise that guy. What's going on there? That's very interesting. So I, I clicked on it, clicked on the link, and yeah, it was preparation for his tour. So it's that. It's some, something I hadn't seen before, and I thought it was brilliant. Great idea. It's big, it's bold, it's memorable, and it clearly works. To, if, for T. Lewis to immediately open Google on his little phone <laughs> and check it out. Uh, yeah, Tim, that, a very, that's a very bold strategy, and it, it, from chatting with Ray, it sounds like it's paying off. Yeah, I love it. As, as he talks about in the episode, it sounds brilliant and it's gone really well. So I'm very excited to see what, how that ends up impacting the show. Uh, right then, huge and heartfelt thanks always. Drop us a line. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com. We're across the socials at alwaysbecomedy. Huge and heartfelt thanks to you all. The, 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 the soaring up the charts this past week or so uh, was a lovely bit of business, and it's all down to you. So thanks for all the shares and uh, the retweets and all that malarkey, the story shares. It's not lost on us. We're always very grateful. So, oh, and more and more of you have been saying hello. At I've been wrapping up for about five minutes here. More and more of you have been uh, saying hello at gigs, which has been great. So listen, thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next week for another banger. Have a belting week. Tim, God bless you. God bless you. God bless the listener. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. <laughs>